0: Uh, hey, everyone. I'm Joe, this month's host of The Commentarians.
1: And I'm Chris Williams. I'm a writer with uh, MichiganSportsAndEntertainment.com. I run the entertainment site over there, and I am also the co-host of the bi-monthly podcast We're Watching Here. Uh, it's a movie-related podcast I do with a co-host, uh, buddy of mine, Perry Seibert.
0: And we're here to talk over your movies. Uh, hi, everyone. Welcome to The Commentarians. Is this Prairie Home Companion? Husband Bulge is now a part of my permanent vocabulary. <laughs> I saw a squirrel. I am going to point out real quick, this to me is like the most disturbing scene in the entire movie. Stop listening right now and go watch Firefly. Hey, it's, this is my podcast. I'm sorry, sorry, Joe. <laughs> uh, we are saying that not only have we been wounded, we survive, and there's a God who heals with these wounds. Jesus isn't about the isms. Uh, he's about his kingdom because it is kind of like this idea that Jesus died for all of our sins except when you had sex Jesus doesn't cover that hey everyone welcome to the commentarians Uh, this month uh, as you heard in the coming attractions we're doing planes trains and automobiles and we're here with Chris Williams to talk about this movie how's it going Chris
1: it is going well, Joe. How are you doing, man?
0: I can't complain. Uh, so what made you pick this movie?
1: Oh, well, when you brought up doing it in November, I kind of automatically jumped to, well, what holiday is coming up in whatever month? <laughs> um, and obviously, uh yeah, Thanksgiving is, is coming up this month, and it really was just, you know, the movie I jumped right to was Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. It's one of my top 20 favorite movies i I adore this movie i think it gets better on every watch i think it's got a message right now that is really resonant really needed yeah Uh, but it's also it's just it's a joy of a movie it is so funny and quotable and i i just adore this movie and I, i think comedies sometimes get a short shrift when when critics are discussing them or movies that are getting serious discussion Comedies kind of get swept under a rug, but a really good comedy that deals with really human issues can be a powerful thing. So, you know, you look at Groundhog Day or this, and I think Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is one of those movies that people have grown up watching with their families, and it just kind of gets taken for granted that this is actually a very, very powerful story about empathy and, and loving your neighbor. And it's also just probably the best road trip movie ever made. I, I, yeah, I love this movie. I am really going to have to temper myself, not just to quote along with it the entire time.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, what I love about this movie, it's two comedic greats, uh, Mm -hmm. Steve Martin and John Candy from, you know, big in the eighties and like maybe early nineties, but, uh, still, uh, what's great about it is Steve Martin. And maybe we should talk about this more, uh, in the movie, but, um, Steve Martin, this goofy, out of control kind of character, is the straight man in this film. Yeah, and that's yeah, a he, com- totally unique for what he normally does.
1: Absolutely, at that time it definitely was. Um, I think as he's gotten older, that kind of became the role he was in more. Uh, if you look like Father of the Bride and things like that, right? But I think this this was definitely a surprise for people who expected to see the wild and crazy guy (laughs) he's really playing as we'll see a guy who's very tightly wound, which I don't think that makes it a less funny performance. I think as we'll probably talk about, he really finds ways to use his strengths in a different way to, uh, really just make it one of the funniest performances and probably my favorite Steve Martin performance, probably my favorite John Candy as well. I mean, this, this is a, uh, like I said, it's a movie I adore.
0: Yeah. Uh, so let, let's just get started. We could talk more about it because there's, uh, there's quite a bit that to talk about, especially the holiday season coming up and uh, what we need to remember that this movie brings up. So uh, as always, the way we do this is uh, we're at zeros and we, uh, we count down from three to one, then we say play, and that's when you hit play, and hopefully we're all synced up together. We will describe uh, what's on the screen. Um, the first image that comes up for me is the Paramount logo. Does that come up with you?
1: Um, if we are at zero,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, the first image that comes up for me is the Paramount logo, yes.
0: All right, cool. So uh, that's the first image that'll come up. So any uh, time to set back up? Are you good?
1: Uh, nope, I have it right up on my screen whenever you're ready. All
0: right, beautiful. So uh, we'll count it down. Three, two, one, play, okay, we see the stars right, coming yeah. in around the mountain, and paramount, all right, cool, so, uh, yeah, this is not not many thanksgiving uh movies out there. And even this one isn't no, necessarily a... a Thanksgiving movie. Like, this is a great movie that you can watch year-round, but it is very much a holiday movie.
1: hmm I mean, I think it is very much one of the rare uh, Thanksgiving movies in that the goal of the movie is he's getting home for Thanksgiving, but I also think it really plays in this idea of, oh, you're around people who you might not always like around yeah. the holidays. I mean, yeah. And uh, you're probably watching right now the scene in the boardroom. I just wanted to bring up, I have been in so many of these meetings.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we have. Where uh... Where, where, uh, Go
1: ahead. Where, where a client just is staring and staring, and you've worked so hard on this, and you just want their approval, and they're nitpicking this little tiny thing. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I just I saw that, and I got flashbacks right away. But, yeah, I mean, it's a movie you can watch any time of the year. I do think it is one of the few, to me, that feels very much like Thanksgiving. Uh, Just the idea of going home, being with people who might get on your nerves, and there's really just a deadline because it's the end of your work week. It's this weekend. It's all crammed into it.
0: Yeah, um, because when we think about what what makes a holiday movie – it is about being around family. It is about being around friends, sometimes getting, trying to get home to them. like That's the big argument for what makes uh, Die Hard a holiday movie. It's more than it just takes place on Christmas, and it's not just a snarky answer. It's the fact that John McClane is fighting to be with his family. He flew home to be with them. and Right. And it's, it's, it has this whole family atmosphere to it. And this is very much that it's Steve Martin, who is an ad man who wants to just get to the airport by six o'clock so he can catch his plane and he can come home to his family who he doesn't live with because he's working in the city and Uh he has to get, he's working in New York and he's trying to get to Chicago and yeah, which (laughs) I can't imagine how difficult that, that would be for a guy with a
1: family. Oh yeah! Except it doesn't seem to bother him. He's so used to it. Yeah, that's uh, true. this is this is his life, and he he loves it. And what I love is he's just so. At this point, he he's he's the hero in this movie. You would normally have he's the guy you're going to relate to. He's the guy who has it all together. And as you see in the movie, he's actually the jerk when, yeah. when, when you uh, when this. I mean, literally Steve Martin, but. Yeah. Um, You know, he's the guy who's nearly usually presented as the hero, the guy who has it all together, the guy who has the great job, the family. You just want him to get home. But over the course of the movie, I think you just realize how unempathetic he is and how uncomfortable he is outside of his own skin. Right. Whereas. Dell as we'll meet is not that way. Um you might also be watching the uh nice Kevin Bacon cameo, right? Yeah,
0: Kevin Kev, Kev, uh Kevin Bacon just appeared as running after the cab. He's kind of racing him. Steve Martin is racing him to get to a cab. The because it's very mm-hmm. difficult to get a cab. And this is uh it's going to add to a nice little uh uh what do you call those uh trivias uh moments that uh, that are gonna come up later on, but uh yeah. Kevin Bacon. His yeah. only scene in this movie is him just ra- ch- racing Steve Martin for the only cab available.
1: That is actually not true, which I will bring up when we get there. Oh, all right. Uh, Kevin Kevin Bacon does show up in a different way later in this movie.
0: Yeah, that's what I. I think we know <laughs> the same bit of trivia. Oh,
1: okay, okay, great. <laughs> um, I I love the little foreshadowing here that it's Dell's case right there, right? Uh, which took me way too long to get the first few times I saw it, but uh, I, I just love the way he's this obstacle already. Yeah. He, he's causing trouble before he even meets him. Uh, <laughs> and the lawyer here is just the biggest creep in the world. Yeah.
0: Again, for those not watching, <laughs> uh, a guy, a lawyer just hails a cab, and Steve Martin is trying to bribe him to, you know, I'll pay you $20, I'll pay you, I'll give you $50 for this cab. And, you know, as he's distracted, uh John Candy's character, you know, says, oh, look, an available cab. And he starts loading his luggage into the cab while Steve Martin is paying somebody for that same cab, completely oblivious to what's happening.
1: Yep. Yep. And the thing is, I still am not quite sure what I think, whether how much Dell knows what's going on. Like, I I think it's a little ambiguous. Is he a good guy, you know, who just was oblivious and getting in the cab and didn't realize two guys were hassling over it? Or if he, you know, took advantage of that situation and just jumped in the cab. And because he's a nice guy, he kind of is able to play it off.
0: Yeah. And I I, I mean, because again, that's the crazy thing about this is that, (laughs) I love that look and it comes up again later on, but uh, it's this idea that this is the worst day in the world that Steve Martin is having. Yeah. Like everything goes wrong for him part of it though is that he just takes it the wrong way things that shouldn't bother him bother him but at the same time you know john candy is not he's kind of he's not a great person either uh, at times as nice as nice of a no. guy as he is he is kind of a little selfish from time to time
1: sure um yeah and i think i think the thing about steve martin's character is that also he's a guy who is just very entitled about the world. Right. It should all run on his clock, his way, because I think you see later too, there's this issue of, I don't know if classism is the right word. It probably is. He's, he carries himself as kind of better than people. He he's the intellectual. He's the guy who's worked hard, so things should go his way. And he's very uncomfortable with people who might be a little more relaxed or a little louder or um, a little more I, I you know a little more in line with kind of more the masses. I, I think there's a scene where later in the movie where they're on a bus and he starts singing Three Coins in a Fountain. <laughs> And everyone just stares at him because, of course, that's what he would sing. He's the intelligent, cultured guy, and they're just looking at him like, "What?" And Dell is the one who can connect with them. He sings the Flintstones. Yeah, which of I'm course. I'm getting ahead of myself, but
0: no, yeah, but I, mean, I, mean, I think that's. Go ahead.
1: That oh, that that's really I think the the conflict in this movie. It's not just the usual, you know, the fastidious neat guy and the slob i mean that's like the odd couple it's very much a man who's uncomfortable in his own skin uncomfortable with other people isolates himself and then dell who is just just letting himself flow all over people overbearing because he just wants to be liked yeah
0: and that, because this is the thing that, John, that uh, Steve Martin's character isn't getting, and I should get their names, but um, Neil, what Neil doesn't understand is that, okay, so he gets to the airport and his plane's delayed, and there's a storm in Chicago, so the plane can't get in, so they have to stay overnight, and again, this hasn't happened yet, but what he doesn't understand is that this isn't his problem, it's everybody's mm. problem. Everybody is dealing with the same thing he's dealing with, but he doesn't care. He only cares that it affects him. And that is something that he doesn't grasp because again, he's in his own world and he doesn't want to be bothered by anyone else. He just wants what he wants. And uh, yeah, and that's the thing is that in this situation, he's in an airport, he's in airplanes, he's in planes, he's in automobiles. He is with other people. And he just doesn't let himself, like, break down his, the walls that, you know, and allow other people in.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, it's the way he carries himself with everyone. Like, this moment here where he's dealing with the uh, stewardess, mm-hmm. uh, the flight attendant, and he's very much, I have my ticket, and I am supposed to be where I am supposed to be, and you just need to put me where I am. And everyone else is just kind of, you know, the joke is that you know just sit anywhere to the person who's nice to her but he mm-hmm. is still carrying himself as a jerk just right really it's i'm supposed to get what's coming to me i'm supposed to get what's paid for the world is supposed to cater to me
0: yeah and <laughs> he might he might have a reason and of course the only seat available is next to uh dale and yes the uh, Dell Dell Dell, sorry. The th- thing about that is that Dell might be innocent in taking the cab. You know, Dell apologizes. he he claims he didn't know that, you know, the cab was already taken, but he ends up sitting next to him. So Dell, you know, Dell's the talker. He's a talkative guy. What makes him a bad person, necessarily, other than the fact that, you know, he inconvenienced, uh, Steve, you know, uh, Neil, he's a nice guy. He He's, a, su- he, he's a sweet his, kid. His is, so yeah.
1: Yeah. He just, his problem is he doesn't know his boundaries. Right. Like when, uh, when he's apologizing to, to Neil about getting in the, uh, cab, he, he just, he can't take the hint that Neil doesn't want to talk. He's like, Oh, let me make it up to you. I'll, I'll buy a drink. I'll buy you a Coke. I'll buy you a hot dog. (laughs) And uh, as they're sitting on the plane and he's like, oh, yeah, no, read your article. I don't want to be that blabbermouth who stops. (laughs) Like, he's just he doesn't have an off switch. And John Candy plays this role so good. He's because he he finds that line where it's annoying. But because we're not on that plane, it's also very ingratiating. Like, we we like Dell. Like, it's a very likable, annoying and what I like is that it's never – he doesn't really Chris Farley this, you know, where he's like a buffoon right. and he's he's clumsy. Like John Candy was a very competent actor and yes, a he very was. competent character actor. And uh, I, I really dislike it when people bring up – well, Chris Farley was like the next John Candy. I'm like – No, they had two really different skill sets, and uh, John Candy (laughs) created characters.
0: Yeah, you're you're just... People say that because they're both, like, overweight guys, and that's not fair. Right. (laughs) I mean...
1: Yeah, and the joke... John Candy never made his weight the joke. Right. Like, there wasn't a lot of fatty falls down with him. He created actual characters, and I think in here, there are really scenes where the movie could have easily gone for a cheap gag or moved on. And they really dig into the humanity, uh, which I, 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 it just creates this really lovable, but real character. I mean, they, they are two Neil and Dell are both people who they have, they have shading to them. They have some flaws, but they also have things where we're like, Oh, I can see myself in that. um, I, I think there was a year – about a year or two ago I was watching this on Thanksgiving with my wife, and I really had a twinge where I realized, oh, I, I think I have a lot of Neil in me. <laughs> like, just just the way I get easily frustrated and aggravated with other people and how I am so – I can just have this slow burn with other people, um, which st- Steve Martin just plays so well. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, I, I just – I love also the way they just kind of, like, the universe just keeps bringing them together throughout the movie. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but again, it's not like we we keep saying it's not like Dell has doesn't have his flaws. He takes off his shoes okay. and his socks on the plane. That is oh, yeah, the, yeah. the worst human being imaginable. Does that? And <laughs> I think oh, a few months ago there was uh, that uh, what's his name uh, Andy Richter from the Conan O'Brien show. T- yeah. Like took a picture of a guy on a plane who took off his shoes and socks and put them up, like on the uh, against the wall so that everyone can see them on the on the plane. And of course, everyone's disgusted by that. Dell, as nice of a guy he as he is, as helpful as he tr- as he tries to be, can also be really, you know intrusive and doesn't think about how this might affect other people and again the worst kind of person to end up uh partnered up with uh with neil
1: absolutely because neil just wants to be left alone just wants and Dell doesn't want to be left alone at all he he wants other people and he Neil is not comfortable in his skin at all, and Dell is way too comfortable in his skin, right. And I love the way they just they play off each other. Um yeah, it, it's just I, I just I love watching these two together. Um, yeah. and I also love how there's, you know, it really really always comes back to two. Neil doesn't quite know what he's gonna do from time to time. He knows. There is this order of things are supposed to, of the way things are supposed to go. I'm supposed to get a rental car. I'm supposed to get a ticket. I'm supposed to get this. Where and it's really how am I going to get from point A to point B? Dell leans on his connections. He's a very people-centric person, so he knows the manager at the inn, and he can get him a room there. Right. And uh, uh, I love the little taxiola they're driving in now. Which do you watch, uh, Breaking Bad? Yes,
0: of course I do. Yeah.
1: Uh, old Joe, the junkyard guy on that show, is the driver of the taxiola.
0: Yeah, he is. <laughs> There's a ton of little <laughs> character actors in this movie that you've seen a million times.
1: Oh, they're so great! Yeah, and they're great. Yeah, yeah, but
0: right, but that's the thing is that John Candy, uh, Dell's character, get Dell, he can roll with the punches. Whatever situation mm-hmm. he's in. That's just where I'm at right now, and I'm going to enjoy it while I'm here. And again, Neil does not is not that guy. And yeah, and like, which is again, which is kind of strange because it helps out in Neil a lot more often than it you know hurts him.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I also think too. I, I like I have the uh, closed captioning on during this. And you just see, too, Neil is the kind of more cynical, I don't trust people. I don't like being in this cab with Doobie behind the wheel. He's, <laughs> he's trying to scam us by taking the long way. And Dell's just, oh, no, he's proud of his town. He wants to show it off. And he's very trusting of people. And it's just really this great back and forth. I love the way John Hughes creates these characters and just finds ways for them to get on each other's nerves and bounce off each other. Um, But I also love the smile that the clerk at this hotel gives Dell when he sees him. Right. Just this giant smile. Like, you know, he is happy to see (laughs) Dell and Neil just has this kind of forced thin smile on his face, which just shows how comfortable, like the la- the difference in comfort between the two of them talking to people. Yeah. And
0: and again, the, this is another problem that comes up. Hey, I got us a room. Great. Wow. Uh, I could have been sleeping on the floor of the airport, you know, but mm-hmm. Dell got me a room. Uh, he because he knows this guy. And then it turns out, oh, there's only one bed. Uh, so that's yeah. not the best situation, but he got them a room and Dell isn't happy about it either, but that's the no, situation no. we're in. So what are we going to do? You know, I,
1: I love the shot of just from Neil's perspective <laughs> of looking around the room, quick shot back to the bed and then looking around and, and Dell's realizing the same thing. And it's just, I, I get so uncomfortable watching this scene because it is, the worst nightmare of having not only to share a hotel room with a stranger, but a bed. Right. It, it, it's just, oh, I, I get, like, really tense watching that because I'm like, that is my worst nightmare. Um, and I just, I love how they're both, like, suspiciously just eyeing the bed.
0: Like, <laughs> like how is this going to work? What are we going to do? Like, <laughs> nobody wants to say that they're uncomfortable, yeah. but they're obviously uncomfortable about the idea of sleeping yeah. <laughs> next to a guy that they don't know. It's...
1: And then Dell's of course tells of course oh you want to get in the shower no, no 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 i didn't mean with you i mean you want
0: <laughs> do you want to take a shower do you wanna... uh
1: <laughs> and what i like is it's not it's not a homophobic joke and there's a scene later on that plays off the same thing that isn't it's not homophobia it's your comfort zone with a stranger it's playing off that discomfort yeah which i think is Keeps it from being a lot of these 80s movies can get, and John Hughes movies are famous for this. They can get really awkward with age.
2: Mm-hmm. And this
1: is one that I actually think it because it's so rooted in feelings we understand, just that discomfort, that awkwardness with strangers. Yeah. It still plays just as well 30 years later. And how many hotels have you been in, like Steve Martin's in, where the. Uh, the water just turns, you know, hot to cold, like freezing to scalding with just a little touch of the, uh, of
0: the knob. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, you know, I, I've learned that I've had to pay extra to avoid these kinds of things because there are hotels like this.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, I, I do heavy Yelp research before I stay in a hotel, yeah. um, yeah, yeah. The hotel kind of makes me break out in hives whenever I see it. Right. Um, also, the uh, the sheer frustration of having to towel off with a washcloth.
0: I have been there. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because again, they they don't they hardly ever give you enough towels, and the towels that they do have ain't great. So nope,
1: <laughs> nope. Uh, I, I they do. I do think there's a scene that was cut out where uh, the Beer cans must have exploded on the bed. Right. Because now they're in bed complaining that it's wet because there's beer left on the vibrating bed. I know there was originally like a three hour cut of this movie. Wow. um, That got really hacked off over time, probably because comedies work better at an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, But I do think there's some things that were probably missed. And that's always one that I've been like, oh, I wish. I would have known that the beer cans exploded, but <laughs> it's it's neither here nor there. Yeah, they just but mentioned it. we are actually it, so yeah. coming up. Yeah, uh, we are coming up to one of my, I think, my very favorite scene in the movie, uh, favorite dramatic scene in the movie. Uh, oh the, yeah, the oh. I, yeah. and we're we'll, we're getting there. I think like right mm. now, we there. You, you can just see. There, you know, all this hostility that Neil has kind of kept inside, he's just starting to lash out, and he's starting to pick at Dell, and then it's going to explode, which is not usually what you see with these movies. Um, like if you think of Tommy Boy, they'll nitpick at each other, but it just will continue to play off the tension, and it plays it as humor. Um, if you look at a movie like Due Date, which is, like, the bad version of this movie. Um, it's just, it's a joke. Like, how how many times can we have their, uh, you know, their, their personalities bounce off each other? By the way, right now is the scene where Kevin Bacon has his other cameo.
0: Yeah. What we had is a cut, you know, Steve Martin's in bed with Dell, and they cut to Steve Martin's wife, who's alone in bed, because she expected... You know her husband to make it tonight, but you know because of the delays he's not there. So she's watching a movie, and what movie are they watching?
1: They are watching. She's having a baby, which would not come out till the next year. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and stars Kevin Bacon, also directed by John Hughes.
0: <clears throat> so yeah, so she's but... in bed alone, and she has to be watching something. So for some reason they decided to put on the TV. She's having a baby. It's 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 a funny little. I also little love thing. there's a
1: little. There's also a funny little fact, if you pay attention to the news she's watching, it says that O'Hara Airport has cleared out and flights should be arriving shortly. So the idea is if Dell and Neil had stayed at the airport, they probably would have been home by now. Oh, geez. Yeah, yeah that's a little thing I've always noticed, <laughs> that the, the hotel actually kind – of, the airport gets moving again. <laughs> um, and now we have the, uh, the kind of explosion where I, I just think – Steve martin's he, he walks this really fine line between cruel and hilarious in the way he describes Dell. yeah, the uh the, like no one can do an explosion like that like Steve Martin, where he's he's so angry, but his insults are so laser focused the uh <laughs> the chatty the chatty Cathy Bell comment where he's like pulling the string out Ba. Um, But it's so mean, like it goes beyond funny into like a really mean attack where it's it's not just, oh, your stories are annoying. It's this thing you define yourself by the stories you tell, the way you ingratiate yourself to others is the most uninteresting thing about you. And by the way, other people hate it. And they, you know, they should just like have a gun to put themselves out of their misery. Yeah. And it's just, it's it's such a mean thing. And again, you could just have John Candy, like launch back a little, uh, retort, but they allow, you know, I think the thing John Hughes does so well is he lets him be hurt. Yeah. Like, like Roger Ebert brought this up in his great movies review of this. It's the sequence where the camera just lingers on Dell's face and you see, this is the first time anyone has said this to him. It's probably the thing he's feared mm-hmm. and it hurts him. And it's a very powerful dramatic sequence, but then it lingers enough too, where Neil starts to realize, oh, I hurt this guy's feelings. Yeah, And it's his first step of learning empathy. Right. Like, oh, the things I do have an impact on other people. Um, and it somehow straddles this line of being very, you know, dramatically effective and very funny, too.
0: Right. This, whole, this is a comedy. And this whole time we've had, it's been a comedy. All the whole terrible things that have happened to Steve Martin are funny, but you understand why he's so angry. And so when he blows up, we're on his side. Like, yeah, haha, this is hilarious. But then it crosses a line and that's what you were talking about how great steve martin is at straddling that moment where now it's not funny anymore now it's really mm-hmm. hurtful and we sat through it and we see yeah, like it's yeah it's it co- it goes from being funny to now it's now we're not laughing anymore and he it's just and he's truly cruel and we see, like you said john candy now we see that on his face and he doesn't react in uh, you know, like you said, it, it, you just explained it perfectly. He, all he does is he's hurt and all he can do is just explain why he's not a terrible person. Mm-hmm. And
1: yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's something that I think John Hughes does so well. It's why he is, Really, why why his movies still kind of resonate. If you look at something like The Breakfast Club, it's the same idea. This this movie that is normally a very funny concept, he finds the humanity under it. And he finds the real people in these characters who are usually caricatures. And he lingers just enough to make them real. But somehow John Hughes had the, a really good knack for also still keeping one foot in the comedy. Like oh, where yeah. Neil is just... He, Neil sees what he's done he realizes he's uh he's hurt Dell's feelings he kind of glances over at the bed and then you just see this shot of Dell like looking over his shoulder <laughs> like oh, oh does he feel bad and he just like kind of gets back to bed and it just oh it's it's so well played right and, and then it leads into just a, a really funny moment in a few moments but uh I, I just I, I love that it's this first moment of Neil. Kind of saying, hey, I was a bit of a jerk. I'm just going to make things right. Because he doesn't have to do it. He owes, he owes a stranger nothing from his perspective. He could go sleep in the lobby. But he decides, no, rather than leave this stranger behind, I'm just going to do the humane thing and make things right and just keep with him a little bit longer. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And I, I love how even when they're asleep, they cannot – avoid catastrophe the person just breaking into the hotel and making off with their money <laughs> it's just like it just and,
0: gets from bad okay. Eve to worse and to worse <laughs>
1: oh it's and then uh so you're probably seeing the same thing i am we're at the uh the scene where they wake up the next morning which is just a wonderfully played visual moment yeah Just this. This was always the scene that got me. The first time I saw the movie, I laughed so hard at the "those aren't pillows" line. Yeah. Oh, and I I love the little kiss that uh, (laughs) that Dell gives Neil. Just
0: and then Neil has that little smile, like "oh, that was nice," because they're essentially waking up, spooning each other because they, in their sleep, they just, you know, and. Yeah, because they're barely waking up, they don't really realize it for a second, what's actually happening.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then just the slow horror of dawning, like, where's the other hand? Oh, it's between these two pillows. <laughs> <laughs> just, the, the, oh, that scene is so good. Yeah. Uh, and that they kind of say, you know, how about the bears? And Oh, <laughs> gosh. It, and again, I love that it's playing off the discomfort. It's not yeah. the... It's not gay panic. It's, it's oh like, my gosh! Yeah, anybody man. would
0: be uncomfortable in that situation.
1: Exactly. Oh, it's so funny. Uh, yeah, but it it um, is
0: poking fun at them for that, like you know machismo kind of. Ah, uh, did you see that Bears yeah. game last week? Oh heck of a game. Heck of a yep. game.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh man. Yeah, I, I do love this movie so much. Yeah. Uh the the horror of washing your face in another person's sock water. Yeah. It's just, oh, I love that shot of the sock. And you can just, <laughs> you can smell it. Like, oh, oh, it's just such a disgusting image.
0: He grabs the only towel he I, sees, and it turns out it's yeah, <laughs> it's, it's
1: giant underwear, and
0: <laughs> oh, and that shot, that just that freeze frame, almost of yep. Steve Martin holding the giant underwear with his disgusting his disgusted look on his face. It's, it's such a great shot.
1: I, I love, yeah, Steve Martin is such a great physical performer, and I love like the jerk and, and movies like that. But what I love the most is when he's just this tightly wound person
2: mm-hmm.
1: who uh, – he he starts to – he just starts to have this slow burn or these little explosions that he plays so well that are funnier because of how tightly wound he is the rest of the movie. Yeah. Um, also, I love the way he, uh, he has the line reading of, oh, you think so, when they're robbed? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I – I use I use that line reading quite a bit when uh, when someone says something that's very obvious. I'm like, you think so? <laughs> uh, we haven't mentioned yet Dell's profession either.
0: Yeah, that's true. It, which is a strange profession to have, but he he seems He's, to be good at it.
1: He sells shower curtain rings, which <laughs> I don't even know if in the '80s that was a that was a profession. But uh, the thing is, is of course Dell would sell shower curtain rings. It it just seems so fitting for him. Yeah. Like I don't know anyone who sells shower curtain rings. I don't think anyone in real life does, but if anyone did, they would be Dell. That's that's the image you think of. We,
0: again, and the first time we see him on the plane, he whips open that wallet of different, you know, shapes and colors of shower curtain rings. It's yeah, uh-huh. it's hilarious that he has that mu- that many with him. And yeah, yeah. How often
1: do you even think of your shower curtain rings? Like, I don't know that we've ever replaced them since we moved in our house.
0: Right, and yeah, because they come with the shower curtain, don't they? I mean, it's, and I guess if you want to be specific, like if you have a particular style in mind for your bathroom, a certain decor, then yeah, it's. You would, I guess, you would I... want different kinds of shower curtain rings, but yeah enough for yeah. this one yeah, guy I, to facilitate you know selling all these different kinds.
1: It's just a weird specific career I, I I just i really love that um I also love just the the way that John Candy just delivers the line where he's like, well, I don't have any uh any credit cards. I do have a uh card to Chalmers it's a it's a men in tall tall and large men's shop and uh doesn't help us now, but they have a great selection. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just well as line readings,
1: John Candy can do so well.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. Oh, and here we get to another one of my favorite cameos too. Uh, Mr. Dylan Baker will be there in a second.
0: Yeah, the truck driver. Or yep, the pickup yep, truck driver. Uh,
1: I'm pretty sure his wife does. It, oh yeah, he drives. His wife has to do everything else though. Yeah. He is so disgusting. <laughs> I love the way, the way, just the look on his face, (laughs) just that, (laughs) that angry. I don't even know if it's angry. It's just this. I'm here. Yeah, this tough guy kind of. Much about it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, then he makes his wife get out and carry the thing, and oh man, I I love and I love the way he says every line too. Like, people train come out of (laughs) Stubville. you know when my, my when her first baby came out came out sideways
2: she <laughs> screamed
1: enough just such a great line reading and i love that you can just see again neil holding back his contempt holding back his discomfort and dell's even a little sketchy but he can still find a way to just be buddies with this guy and find a really pleasing tone with him and he just he somehow still finds a way to roll with this, even though they're going to be in a car right. with this guy for probably an hour or two.
0: Yeah, again, just as uncom- He's just as uncomfortable as Neil, but uh, yeah, yep. still. And again, you know, here we have uh, the guy's wife with the two kids also with him. Why he would bring all, all, every, like his whole family and two shotguns? It looks like in the back, two shotguns. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, to drive two guys to. Uh, the next airport is it or the train station
1: uh it's a train station yeah um the people train runs out of another town like miles down the road but yeah (laughs) yeah uh train station um yeah yeah and it just i love the dog here i i jump out of my seat the first time i saw this uh when they the dog comes out yeah but I don't think we're quite there yet. I, I'm remembering all these things that happen before they even <laughs> happen, because I've seen this movie so many times. I have this movie like memorized. Yeah. Um. Just oh, the, just it, the way the dog just nips at him, and it, it's just really like the trip from hell. Yeah.
0: Like again, whatever can go wrong does go wrong, and they just both have to get through it together. And, and which yeah. again is another thing that went wrong <laughs> because they would rat like at least Neil would rather just go it alone.
1: <laughs> yeah. They'd rather he'd rather go through it alone. And but the thing is is Dell wouldn't. He'd rather have someone there. Yeah. And so I, I like I, I like that. But I also like that there's no way Neil could have could get home without Dell anyway, like you've been saying. Yeah. Like Dell kinda knows Okay, we're gonna do this. I know there's a train station here. Neil just knows what he's planned. He knows he needs a plane at a certain time out of a certain place, but he doesn't really have the street smarts. He you know, he can't really navigate the world outside of his plan.
0: Yeah, and actually the reason that they are able to do all this is because Dell has been on the road this whole time and he just gotten he's gotten to know enough people to help him get by, to help him to the next place. Because Mm -hmm. he talks to so many people, you know, Neil doesn't do that. He just flies. He flies from point A to point B. He doesn't talk to anybody, so he doesn't know anybody. And yeah, Yeah. that's and that's the problem that, you know, again, and you're, you're right. He could have stayed if, you know, he could have been in a hotel somewhere. He would have been stuck in New York basically essentially still as opposed to on the road Back, getting back home
1: right um, I and I, I like to how you start to get these hints of like when they're when they think they're not gonna see each other on the train again and Neil Neil's friendly he's like you know the ticket's a gift thank you for all your help I, I it's been weird I appreciate it I'm gonna go you know very politely kind of setting the thing I'm gonna go sit by myself on this train and you just kind of see you start to get that hint that Dell, is kind of sad to be saying goodbye. He's, he's losing what he thinks might be a friend. Yeah. and, And you begin to see how much this is starting to mean to him. But I think you also start to see Neil, he's letting his guard down. He's, he's already grown a bit. He's, he's saying goodbye. He's, he's acknowledging his gratitude, but he's still in that thing. He just wants to be by himself Get home, see his family.
0: Yeah, Dell offered and, uh, He's like, hey, you know, you if you want, we could get a beer in the in the dining car. And he's like, nope, I'd rather just be by myself. Thanks, though, but you know,
1: yeah, and and I think and this play comes into play much later in the movie. You see, Neil still he's learning to be more empathetic. But he's still not read like able to read another person yet. He's still not able to see another person's need, because he doesn't see that. Oh, Dell's making an overture of friendship. He, you know, he's not. Just, he doesn't want to just be the guy who is in the story of the weird trip I had to take. He's he's trying to. He, there's something lonely about him. He needs some friendship. Yeah. And Neil's not getting that just yet. And and I think it's the movie keeps slamming them together because it is forcing Neil into that position where it's not just about being nice to another person. It's not just about swallowing your impatience and anger. It is about learning to look at another person and see their need and want to help them. And I do love that shot of them walking across the field and Dell's dragging his suitcase and Neil goes up and grabs it. Yeah. Cause I think that just, you can see these little moments of growth in the character that I think John Hughes seeds through really well, where you begin to see Neil's barriers start to come down. And it really is playing into that holiday movie trope of his heart is starting to grow three sizes that day, you know? <laughs> and um,
0: it, again, we mentioned this before, uh, you know, what a great actor uh, John Candy is. And, You know, in all the movies that I love that he's in, the Great Outdoors, and um, and I just one just slipped out of my head, uh, Summer Rental, and you know, one of my one of my favorite roles is he's it's just a short you know short cameo is in Home Alone. John Candy is the probably the best part of Home Alone, where he helps uh, you know Kevin's mom get home by you know driving her in their truck basically uh, back home and just the stories he tells and how he talks to Kevin's mom he's great in that and the thing of it is is that yes they're all John Candy but they're all different kinds of John Candy you know they're all sure. different characters they're all different people and this guy he's a salesman he you, you can tell in how he smokes his cigarette how he talks how he relates to people is much different than the dad in summer rental or the guy in, you know, the the great outdoors. He is different in all of these characters, but he's the same funny, upbeat, you know, silly guy, but they're all different people.
1: Yeah. And I don't think anyone used John Candy better than John Hughes. Like they were in, they did several movies together. Um, John Hughes, I, did he direct Uncle Buck? I know he produced – I think he directed it. Um, I'm going to yeah. actually check that real quick. But, um, you know, I, I think John – yes, John Hughes directed Uncle Buck, and, which was really kind of their first collaboration. To No, I'm – wow, I got that really wrong. Uncle Buck came later, uh, oh. came after Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Wow, I did not expect that. Um, <laughs> but I still think it – no one knew how to use him like John Hughes. He was able to see exactly how John Candy could be a physical comedian and a character comedian, but he also knew that there had to be a full character under that. So uncle Buck is a really garish, you know, unappealing character who also (laughs) really wants to do right by the kids. Yeah. Um, his, his, his Home Alone character is very much, uh, you know, he's he's kind of like Dell. He pushes himself. He wants to help, um, but he's actually very helpful in that movie. Um, and he's not quite as obnoxious, but it still plays off as, "Oh, I'm gonna just, you know, foist my polka on you."
0: Yeah, um, and again, he's not he's a serious. good guy either in that movie. There's those little hints of he's not with his family for a reason. You know, because he'd, he'd rather pursue this polka career, but he's still a likable guy.
1: He's still a likable guy, and John Candy has even the ability to make those horrible stories sound very funny or understandable. <laughs> like, when he talks in Home Alone about leaving his son at the funeral parlor, <laughs> it, you know, it, it's just that little line that, oh, he, you know, he was fine two or three weeks, started talking again, and... Uh, <laughs> Like, I, I miss John Candy. I, Yeah. I really am convinced that had John Candy not died so young, because um, he was only 43 when he died, uh, I think he would have an Emmy or an Oscar by now. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he was that good of a character actor that he would have found something that would have really helped us, like, would have taken him to the next level. Um, And, and yeah, I, I, I miss him because... He could do that thing where there wasn't one joke about him. He did full characters, yeah, uh, which I think comes out of his, uh, his Second City and SCTV background,
2: mm-hmm.
1: where which really forced people to act and act with others and build characters, where I think SNL is often a sketch and all-star showcase, where people learn what's funny about them and keep pushing it. You start to see more of the SCTV people created characters and became, I think, stronger actors.
0: Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite... Like, I, I don't even remember what it's from. I just happened upon it when I was a child. I could have dreamt it almost because it was such a great sketch where... It's like, you know, it's it's supposed to be a 3D like, you know, 3D television night or something. And it's basically, you know, he's playing a character where like this show is 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 shot in 3D. And it okay. the whole show is like a drama where he's dealing with his family, but then every once in a while they just start throwing things at the camera out of nowhere. <laughs> and that's why it's 3D. Like it has nothing to do with the story, the th- the 3D part. But for some reason, they just decide to just break the fourth (laughs) wall and start throwing things at the camera and then get back to the scene. And he plays it so well to just go break character and then get right back into it. I have no idea. I've been searching for it my whole life. But it was done so well that only John Candy could have done that.
1: (laughs) Um, I I love the scene at the diner, by the way. Oh, yeah. Where Neil, Neil is trying to, like, just, again trying to just politely say, I think we got as far as we can go. You know, I I appreciate your help, but I'm going to go my own way. I think we need to go each other's way. And you just get this scene where you see this really hurts Dell. Yeah. Like, he's kind of seen this as, hey, we're two guys who are having this adventure, and this is crazy, but at least we got each other. And Neil's kind of like, no, I still think I can do this better on my own. And There's that moment where Dell just gets up and leaves the table and you know, Neil's like, I'll see you around and He's like, oh, yeah, sure you will and it's just this moment of like kind of raw hurt and It lingers again on Steve Martin again where he just kind of rubs his forehead. and He's like, wow What a dumb thing I did. Yeah and I, Again, I just love these little hints that you start to like I think this gets dismissed by a lot of people as just kind of a wacky comedy uh, and it's a very funny movie, but there are little hints of growth and of a person learning to care about other people, mm-hmm. which we don't have a lot in our society right now. Right. Um. And and I just, I love that it's not hitting you over the head. It just gives you these little character-based moments where you start to see Neil growing into a more empathetic person. Right. Um. And then... You know, his his idea to go on his own just blows up in his face again. His meltdown in that parking lot where he's <laughs> grasping his head and throwing stuff down. That is wonderful. Steve Martin physical comedy. I, yeah, I just I love that. Um, I had the opportunity. I saw Steve Martin live a few years ago Ugh. with um, he, he, he does a tour with Martin Short and it was one of the greatest experiences in my life (laughs) to just sit there and watch him do his thing because he is so in command of his tone and everything he's doing. He does not like him and Martin short. Don't let a lot of sentimentality in. They spend the whole show like digging at each other. Yeah. Uh, And it's really funny. And you just see how precise and funny he is. And this moment in the movie is just a masterpiece, <laughs> this this scene coming up, which yes. this I have heard so many people tell me the same story. I guarantee this happens with 75% of the families who grew up watching this movie at Thanksgiving, is they grew up watching it on TBS as a family, mm-hmm. and then one year someone decides to rent it or buy it. And they get to this scene, which they never saw on TV, and every grandma is shocked. Yeah,
0: they had to Uh, edit out this whole scene, which, mind you, what's the rating for this movie? This planes, trains, and automobile, this happy family movie about two comedic guys heading home. What's the rating on this movie?
1: It is an R rating for this scene only.
0: Yes, exactly. This one scene where he just drops the F-bomb over and over and over again. And the response by the clerk is another F-bomb.
1: Oh, it's... I, I, I probably, as a nice Christian boy, should not be saying how much I love this scene. Yeah, But this is just... This, this is Steve Martin just channeling his anger and his frustration and getting a masterpiece of profanity here. And I think all of us have been in this situation where these words were a second from escaping our mouths. Right. And I think I read today, this scene is 60 seconds exactly. <laughs> he uses the F word 18 times. <laughs> And I love, he just stands there with that defiant look. He's one. He, you know, he's he's told the clerk off. And then her retort is just so, like, just the perfect, brilliant yeah. retort. It's like chef's kiss. Yes. It's, uh, oh.
0: And again, another great character actress who's been in, like, 200 movies as, like, this, you know, one type, you know, who's always great. And again he lets off this horrible you know and again understandably so his frustration but he just let it out at the per- the one person who could have helped him and because yep. he did that she will not help him
1: but she also like there's that they they kind of give you enough to let it you let you know She's, you know, yeah. he's not taking this out on a totally innocent person. She's holding <laughs> up the line, talking about Thanksgiving dinner, and then she does the little, oh, gobble, gobble. <laughs> it's it, it just one of those things that would get under your ner- under your skin so easy. And now it's just like a downward spiral for Neil. He gets decked. Um, he, he's going to get manhandled really badly in a second. I, I just, oh, it. it Steve Martin plays put upon so well. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of his Father of the Bride. Oh. Right? I think that's a Yeah,
0: I love that movie. movie.
1: And what I love is just the collapse. He the internal collapse he has as he just becomes overwhelmed by everything happening with his daughter's wedding until it just makes him snap. And it's really a similar to performance to this. Probably he's probably a little more sympathetic in that movie.
0: Yeah. Um, And again, it's a little bit more on the line of slapsticky and like, you know, put upon. He 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 right. He walks that tightrope really well.
1: Yes. Yes. In that one. Um, This the design of the car they are in right now is uh, another John Hughes throwback. The color and design of it is a throwback to the family truckster from National Lampoon's Vacation, which was written by John Hughes. Nice. Um, I also, it's really an immature gag, but the voice Steve Martin uses oh, after right. he's been <laughs> grabbed, oh, it makes me laugh every time. <laughs> it, just that high pitch—it's it, more nasally than high pitched, which is what I think makes it really funny. Yeah, is it's not just the, you know, I, I sucked in some helium. It's just this nasally pained voice, which, uh, and then they keep it going for a few seconds, which. Is really funny, yeah. Um, and of course, things have worked out well for Dell, who's, you know, just gone with the flow, you know, like <laughs> like a twig on the shoulders of a mighty stream, which <laughs> Dell's philosophy, and <laughs> I love that. But now it's like the formula is going to start shifting a bit, and we're going to get to Dell starting to bring on some of these catastrophes himself. Yeah. Uh, this bit with the, uh, this bit with the car seat is really, Steve Martin does it too later, a really great bit of physical comedy too.
0: (laughs) Yeah, You were saying earlier one of my favorite moments in Uncle Buck is just this kind of tiny scene that's kind of forgettable where he drops off the kids at school, he has that ridiculous red, you know, hat with the flappy ears and, Mm -hmm. you know, just the 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 way he acts with this teenager who is so enraged by him just because of he's an adult and she's cooler, you know, she's too cool to deal with him. And just the line readings in that scene alone where, you know, she says, aren't like, I don't even remember what she asked him, but he says, she says something like, has anybody told you how annoying you are? And he just stops for a moment and thinks, and it just says, No. And it's just such a funny line delivery, and she leaves, and then he talks to the children in the back seat. He's like, like you know, like you know, they tell her, oh, she really hates you, and he's like, do you think it's the hat? You know, a lot of people hate me just because of the hat. Again, just such a great line read, and again, oh, it's it's just this throwaway moment, but I love that moment so much because just because of how he acts in it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, John Candy could own a movie. He, he. you know, he was a star, but there were also few things as pleasurable as watching him just show up in a cameo scene in a movie. And, like, you brought up uh, Home Alone, but I also think of he has a bit part in Little Shop of Horrors that is really funny uh, as a DJ. Oh, yeah. He <laughs> has a bit part in, uh, he's in the Blues Brothers. And he's really great in the blues. He cracks me up. Uh, He has a scene where his car, his cop car gets launched into a truck and (laughs) he kind of just calls the other people. He's just so amused. He's like, Hey, uh, we're in a truck. And uh, (laughs) I I just, I I love his line readings. He's such a fun, fun actor to work. Yeah. And again, a a short scene uh,
0: in uh, family vacation or what is in, in vacation, what is it's national and and vacation
1: vacation. Um, And he has the great line where he's like, I had a bad experience on this ride. Clark, I threw up (laughs) and he could sell those lines. I, gosh, I loved John Candy. Yeah. Um, Almost, uh, almost as much as I like Steve Martin, who just, again, he internalizes all this, all this shtick that made him so famous because I remember being really surprised all for a while. All I knew him from was this and father, the bride and things like that, where he was more of an uptight guy. And I remember at one point, my aunt told me, Oh yeah. Back when I was younger, Steve Martin was kind of like the uh, the Jim Carrey of that day.
2: And I was shocked.
1: <laughs> I'm like, really? So of course that led me back to um, the jerk and uh, a lot of things he had in the eighties, but his stand up as well, where he's, and his, you know, the guest star experiences on SNL, where he is just this, you know, kind of loose-limbed, sticky guy. And yet here, he, I, I don't think he's any less funny. He just finds a way to take all that energy and twist it into knots so he's just so stressed out the entire time, which is hilarious to watch. Yeah. And then as you just watch him grow more and more frustrated, he has these great slow burns. Um, I love watching John Candy do the mess around
2: <laughs> on this. This, this.
1: this this, is just pure joy to watch him do this. And uh, I, I love that it is starting to get to this point where now Dell is being a hazard to himself. Yeah. Because uh, he's, He's gonna almost kill them about five times in the next twenty minutes. Yeah, he's enjoying um, dancing
0: to this song so much that the car is swerving all over the road. He throws the cigarette out the window, which misses, so it bounces into the back seat, and it, again, it, it turns into this crazy slapsticky kind of moment. That yeah, again, it, this oh, is all his fault.
1: The fact that he's caught, like he gets caught in the uh, the car seat levers. Is so such a great little physical bit <laughs> that he, his coat is stuck, and I just love watching him struggle to get out. It is such a funny performance. <laughs> I, I love watching this, and he for I don't know why he doesn't wake Neil up or at least pull over to the side of the right. road. Right, he, he, easily target him himself free.
0: Easily fixed, but it just gets worse and worse because he doesn't want to stop.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it, it's. Yeah. Oh, I I think he thinks he can just keep rolling with it. And I think he's kind of reaching the end of being able to roll with it. Um, (laughs) But it's also just the sight of John Candy in the front. Like, it's not a fat joke, but it is the sight of this big guy in such a small place. Just trying to struggle free is so funny to watch. Right. Because again,
0: just hide
1: down by the car. Yeah,
0: because it's how he uses it. He knows what he looks like yeah, and he doesn't go for the easy fat joke laugh, but he uses it because it's, you know, it's a funny sight and it's not because he's fat, but it's just because it's this big guy, you know, tied down, basically unable to move. And again, the funny reaction at the end, when they finally stop the car, Steve Martin completely asleep, doesn't know anything is going on. And John Candy just plays it off like, "Yeah, nothing. It, everything's cool." Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: And and Steve Martin just goes back to sleep.
0: Right. I, <laughs> I
1: love that he that Dell thinks there is some way he can work this out. Like he's his arms are tied back. He's on the freeway steering with his legs, and he's still thinking like, "Oh yeah, I, I got this. I got this." Right. And uh, yeah, just this really. Yes, I'm fine. I'm fine. And uh, you know, just I love the really understated reaction to all of it. It I, I, it just, it's a nice button to that big, broad moment, which, again, is something John Hughes does really well. He can go big with the humor, but he can also just, he, he knows how to just interject a little human moment or diffuse it just a bit. Um, which, mm-hmm. I, I mean, he was just, John Hughes was good. He's another guy I deeply miss. Yeah. Um, his, I, I really... Like, The Breakfast Club, I will always feel bad that my first reaction to that movie was very negative because I thought it was going to be a wacky comedy, and I was probably in my late teens, early 20s by the first time I saw it, and I was bored, and I wrote it off as a boring movie. And over the years, I've just seen how insightful and human it is, Um, and, and I really like that. I love Vacation. I think that is a really just a classic satire right. uh, ferris bueller's day off i john hughes is a guy again I, I wish he would have lived longer and kept making movies um i like to see what he would have done um i also just love the line where the people are yelling you're going the wrong way and john Cage, how would they know where we're going
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, driving just, on the wrong side of the road but they don't del-liner. understand what they're actually being told because they're both driving basically in the same direction, just on opposite sides yeah. of the road, and they don't realize it, and it's it's hilarious. Yep.
1: Well, and then he starts, like, mocking them, like, oh, you're drunk, you know, and he's <laughs> making the drinking gesture. He can't even see the semi-trucks coming, which, oh, it, I mean, it's such a broad gag, but it's so funny. Right,
0: again, um, because of yeah. how they play it.
1: Yep, yep, and I love the way Steve Martin kind of just plays the slow horror of realizing what's (laughs) happening. And then it's too late to stop it. And you just get this great moment of them (laughs) going between the cars and the little bits here that he doesn't really do anywhere else in the movie, but he, he starts playing with the imagery and having them both be skeletons. And then John Candy's the devil. (laughs) Uh, It's, it's a cartoonish moment, but it makes me laugh really hard. Yeah.
0: It's done really, really well. As we were talking before, oh, and again, this moment that you often miss, uh, Steve Martin has his fingers, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, like they're, they're indented the, into the dashboard. Yeah, and there's little indent indentations from his fingers because he, they were stuck in there. If you, yep. And we were talking about Steve Martin earlier. If you haven't read it, read Born Standing Up.
1: It is a fantastic book. Yeah, his
0: autobiography That's- is so good. Uh, because, uh, especially if you're a fan of stand-up, because he talks about why he doesn't do stand-up anymore, or why he didn't, why he quit doing it, what his intention was when he was doing his, his great crazy arena bits. He was making fun of the whole you know, idea of stand-up, and how he quit because of Second Show Friday, which, now that I'm... Uh, huge comedy nerd. I understand what these little, you know, industry terms are for, uh, for comics. Second show Friday is basically, you know, when you perform on Friday, you have a, a show, a performance and then you have another one later on by the time. These are people after people get out of work, they're tired. So they go out to drink and they get drunk. And by the time the second performance on Friday, comes on, you get the worst audiences. And it's so yes. bad that it made Steve Martin not want to do comedy anymore. And again, just the, those little stories are so great. Uh, I I yeah, I love I love that book.
1: Well, I love that Steve Martin has reinvented himself so many times. Yeah. So he went from stand-up to a movie career, he's an accomplished playwright and novelist. Mm-hmm. He he, even his shows with Martin Short, I wouldn't call it stand-up. It's very much the two of them doing a performance together, but he makes sure he takes time to do his bluegrass through it, which is fantastic. Yeah, uh, he, if you have never heard of his bluegrass albums, and he's a genius about painting. Like he's a he's an art scholar. He he loves to collect paintings and talk about paintings. Um, but then he can also still do the really funny bits. Like, that slow burn where they both realize the car is on fire.
2: <laughs> right.
1: um, but, yeah, I've heard I've heard people say Steve Martin has said he doesn't really want to do movies anymore. Like, I think his famous line is, they're like, when did you realize you were done with movies? And he's like, eh, probably about the time they realized they were done with me. And <laughs> yeah. he's just kind of moved on to the next thing. And and I like that. Um, I, I can't really think of the last movie I saw Steve Martin in, now that I think about it. Um And, but he moved on when he was ready and, um, I hope I see him in movies again or a TV show or something, but I'm just, you know, he never got too old. He never got played out, which I appreciate. Yeah. Um,
0: he is, Yeah. he is a genius. I don't know if they've ever taken his IQ, but he learned, he taught himself to play banjo by playing bluegrass records, just slowing down the speed. And he just figured out. Okay, so if I strum this, if I put my finger here and I strum this, will it make the same sound? No, it won't. So let me try something else. And he just figured it out. And if you see him play the banjo, it's incredible.
1: Yep. And uh, also, fun fact: I love that he dated Stormy O'Martian, uh, who wrote "Power of a Praying Woman" and was is a very big evangelical figure. He dated her when he was working in the theme park. Right. Um. This is where you start to see that Dell hasn't been totally on the up and up either. Right. Uh, he's been taking advantage of this situation, too. He's had Steve Martin's uh, credit cards through the movie, his diner's card. Uh, if you watch really closely when they go to the inn of the motel earlier in the movie, you see their credit cards get switched. And he just kind of hung on to it. And again, it's kind of ambiguous. Was he going to use it and send it back or is he just making that excuse? So Dell kind of has this ability to take advantage of people. And he's starting to get called on that. And he's starting to see, oh, my actions kind of screw things up. I wrecked this car. I almost killed us. Now we have no money. Um, So you start to see him having this arc where he's changing a bit too. Um, Yeah, I, I mean, you start to see these characters shift over the movie, which I think is really this great picture of how people influence each other and people can help make each other better. Mm-hmm. Like We see our flaws better in our treatment of another person. Right. Um, the, uh, the shaking of Dell is really funny too. <laughs>
0: uh. And again, the car burst into flames because he threw because of the cigarette in the back seat, you know, I, that idea that he, you know, yeah. He stole. He basically stole, uh, you know, Neil's card and used it without yep. letting him and know lied about it. And lied about it. And yeah. And so now they drove to this motel, and, <laughs> and Steve Martin punched it in the stomach, and he just says, that's, "That's died. How Houdini died?" Yeah. <laughs> like um, that's all he has to say. <laughs>
1: Oh, and that car is just such a piece of work. Right. The car is Uh, melted, but but it's
0: still driving.
1: (laughs) Yep. And you're starting to see where Dell can't just get himself out of situations anymore. Right. He's not going to be able to talk his way into a room. Uh, Fun fact, the clerk in this scene would go on to play the lawyer in Jurassic Park. Oh. Um, For years, I thought that was David Strathairn. Um, but it is the lawyer from Jurassic Park. I looked it up today. Um, so yeah, you just see these people pop up throughout the movie. Uh, I, I love how he's just trying to gently explain, uh, these, these aren't credit cards and <laughs> it just, I can't imagine the horror of being back at that time before the internet, before ATMs, before anything like that, where you are hundreds of miles from home with 42 bucks to your name. Yeah. Like this is a movie that almost you couldn't make today because a cell phone or the internet would get them out of their predicament really easy. Um, but it's it, I mean, it's really fun to look back and say, well, thirty years ago, getting from point A to point B was going to be a lot harder.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, also, kids, that is a watch. People yes. used to <laughs> use those to uh, to tell you what time it was. <laughs>
0: Is <laughs> that that great uh, George Carlin bit where, like, you ever look at your watch and then you put it down and you and you still don't know what time it is? So you look again and you put it down and you still don't know what time it is. And so you look for a third time and somebody asks you what time is it and you say I don't know. Like that's something that's <laughs> happened to me a bunch of times with my watch where I just look, I look at the time, I put it down, and I instantly forget. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I haven't worn a watch in years, but I probably did the same thing over and over. Uh, I, I like how he tries to sell him the Casio, yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: which was, again, for kids, a very cheap brand of watch back in the day. Right. I don't even know if Casio is still in business. Now that I think about it. Yeah. <laughs> I just love. There's. I'm going to have to say goodnight.
0: <laughs> There's. Um. Uh, I, I. Go, Go ahead. ahead. Oh well, uh something that we missed that uh it didn't work for him this time is he made a ton of money back at the diner at the at the train station or at the bus station by selling all his uh his uh his shower curtain rings. And you kinda see yes, it's played as earrings. for earrings. Right. As earrings. It's played for comedy, but it shows he's actually good at his job. He
1: oh, yeah. he's a yeah, good he's salesman
0: very- because he's a good talker.
1: Yes, he's good with people, Yeah, um, which is something Neil can't be. Um, You watch him in that scene where Neil's at work and they're, you know, looking for the guy to finish up his appraisal. It's very quiet. He's, you know, it's very much an atmosphere where he just has to sit there and be quiet and hope people likes the work. Um, Dell is in a career where, you know, his likability is really key to his success. Um, getting people to buy shower curtain rings, which, again, is a once in a lifetime purchase. <laughs> uh, this is where you start to first get the hint to like really get the big hint that something's kind of really off with Dell, mm-hmm. uh, where he's talking to his wife in the car. like, And you start to realize this guy's a lot lonelier than we might have given him credit for because he's such a jovial, nice person you can't see all the time that that is kind of masking his loneliness or a result of his loneliness. It's him reaching out to people. Yeah. And I like, again, that Neil, he, he can't just stay mad at him. He has to check out, you know, he has to see how he's doing. He feels compelled to invite him into the room. Um, He's starting to just see kindness is a good thing. And, you know, the situations we're in may suck, the people we're with may aggravate us, but we have, you know, our empathy is what makes us human and gives us a little bit of peace. And he's starting to make peace with the fact that, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of here along with this guy and we're responsible for each other. Yeah. (laughs) That car. (laughs) I also can't tell if that is a hotel I would like to be staying in or not. Um, I I I kind of like the uh, rustic motif, but uh, I also think there's there's no way those bed sheets are clean.
0: Yeah. Again, they always um, have snacks, I do like, and they always have all that. Always have snacks, yeah. Tiny bottles of booze.
1: <laughs> I like that this scene is just kind of them. Finally, it's finally the first acknowledgement that they're not just being nice to each other; they're starting to like each other. Yeah. Like. I, I think that's really a big part of Neil's journey in this movie is he can get to the point where he's polite and kind and does what he needs to do to go along, but it's really him letting down his guard enough where Dell is a friend. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I mm-hmm. like the way they play this scene. So real. It's not, it's not sticky. It's not a gag. I don't even think there's real jokes in it that that are really that funny but it's an enjoyable scene to watch because you just see these two guys bonding over things. Yeah. And they're, they're like really saying things that are, you know, very heartfelt to each other. Um, you just see Neil starting to, you know, notice how much Dell loves talking about his wife. And you can, again, see Dell is still keeping some stuff back, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's just this very real moment. That's, Again, not sappy. It's not trying to make you cry. It's just two people hanging out, and we really don't see male friendships in movies like this. Right. Like, we're two men just able to be friends.
0: Yeah. Um, there's the, I think they brought that up when, they, when uh, they were talking about, when people were talking about uh, uh, Superbad, about real, and it's almost, they called it bromance, which is, again, kind of like this almost borderline homophobic term to make fun of the fact that guys don't do that so it's a funny term but yeah it's like we're not allowed like guys aren't allowed to tell each other that we love each other you know and they did and that's the thing at the end of the movie they're in the backpacks in the backyard he's like why can't dudes just tell each other that they love each other I love you like yeah man and I love you too and it's this nice beautiful moment that they're going to be going off to college. They're not, you know, they're going away. So they're not going to be close anymore. And they're going to miss each other. And yeah, again, this is one of those scenes where these are strangers, but they're bonding. They're, they're, they've grown, yeah. they have this thing in common. They're married, they have families, and they can talk about this together. And it's, yeah.
1: Yeah, and it's just really also they have this situation they're in, and now it's not just we're going to grin and bear it. It's, oh, we're starting to find funniness and how absurd this whole thing's been. Right. And I like that the film just kind of has that moment where it's not even at the end. It's not that there's a crisis. It's just, okay, they've gone through enough. Now they're friends. And that's when they start being able to just really go with the flow and start trying to make a concerted effort to really get home. Even though, like, if this is the most ill-advised car to drive around in. <laughs> um, I always do wonder if they get a call later in the, you know, after the movie's over from this hotel about totally destroying one of their rooms. <laughs> um, because I'm pretty sure that's a crime to yeah, leave it's, that.
0: It's, the but trying to get the car out, he backs 80s. it up and he crashes it right through the wall <laughs> yeah.
1: yes it it, it it was the 80s that you could drive your cars into hotels at that point and leave and no one was any the wiser and uh it was a more innocent time
0: yeah <laughs> it was a pre-9-11 world wasn't it
1: pre-9-11 <laughs> world yes you could get away with anything um yeah i i do like too that uh, i always love scenes of People on road trips singing together. Tommy Boy has a great scene like that, too. Yeah. Uh, I, I, just, I, I just love watching people sing in the car. Um, it's also probably a good time to bring up, too, this movie might have the single worst score I have ever heard in a movie.
0: Yeah, which is just crazy as- for John Hughes, who normally picks great music for his movies.
1: I, I'm going to go on record and say I think it's a purposefully horrible score Hmm. it is supposed to remind you of music you would hear on an awful road trip stuck in airport lounges and stuff like that
0: yeah i guess um
1: (laughs) yeah i i mean that's the only thing i can i can think of because it's this weird like synth type stuff uh over the end credits there's this weird almost rap remix of steve martin's lines in the movie Hmm. um here is Mr. Michael McKean. Yeah, another is, great
0: cameo. <laughs> ob-
1: who is, oddly enough, fourth build in this movie.
0: Huh.
1: Um, which, I guess, now that I think about it, I'm like, well, I don't know who else you would have. You'd have the lady who plays Steve Martin's wife and, uh, I guess, 90 seconds of screen time, Michael McKean. <laughs> which, I mean, at that time, I think he had already done Spinal Tap and things like that. So he was probably... a pretty famous face yeah Uh, i i love john candy's cell of you know when the do you think this vehicle is safe yes i do
2: (laughs) it's not much to look at but it
1: gets you where you want to go and the way he tries to talk himself out of this it's it just the kind the just how, how far he has to go to try and talk himself out because there's no way they should be on the road with this thing.
0: Yeah, the speedometer um, they, they were speeding cuz they couldn't they didn't know what speed they were going to cuz the, the speedometer melted and he's admitting to everything. He's like, "Yeah, well, that's why." But, you know, it's still, you know, like, "Oh, and what happened to your side mirrors?" Like, "Yeah, they're gone." Yes, I have to admit they are gone.
1: But <laughs> but but uh the radio still works and oddly <laughs> enough, the radio still works and Yeah, uh it's so good. It's um, yeah, and Michael McKean just—he looks so young here. I'm so used to seeing him on Better Call Saul. Yeah, uh, and it also, as I say that, I realize Steve Martin has not aged because I think Steve Martin was born looking fifty. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, they are probably however many miles out of Chicago at this point. Um, there is a shot coming up. I think, yes, okay, the shot of the movie marquee. No show today because it's Thanksgiving? That would not happen today. Yeah. Every movie theater today is open on Thanksgiving. But, but I remember it was like town shut down on Christmas and Thanksgiving.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But uh, I started working. I worked in a movie theater for a bit in th- in uh, high school. And they actually told me Thanksgiving and Christmas are their two busiest days.
0: Yeah. Because, again, uh, you, you're with your family. You have this great dinner. And now... what are we going to do now that dinner's over and we said everything we had to say? What do we do now? And by the evening time, everyone's done, but they're still there. They flew into town. And so the family has to entertain them and they have nothing else to do. So let's go to a movie.
1: That also kind of makes me sad, though. Like, I kind of miss the days when the movie theaters would close down for the holidays. Yeah. When people didn't have that option, you had to stick around with your family. Although, I guess now you would just stick around and go find something on Netflix or or (laughs) whatever. Uh, This is the first of two John Candy movies, John Candy and John Hughes movies, where he has to take a ride in the back of a truck. Yeah. Uh, Because that's also how they get home and home alone. Also going back to Chicago. Yeah. Um, So I guess John John Hughes must like to see John Candy in a... and, those, and of course, John Hughes didn't direct Home Alone, but he produced it. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I do love that this appears to be the end of the movie. And there, it, it still doesn't feel right because you want them to have that kind of big goodbye. And then they hug. Yeah, I, I do appreciate that. Like, like, that's a moment like Neil wouldn't have done that three days ago. He wouldn't have given another man a hug. Um, and, and I think that's just again more progress on his part but he's also going to start being more proactive in putting together about what Dell's situation is
0: right yeah again because they've they've gone through this whole thing and here's that hug it's happy Thanksgiving and uh, yeah um <clears throat> I I was wondering uh, when to bring this up but uh, the whole idea that this brings up is, and me, now I have a girlfriend. So now I have that special someone to spend Thanksgiving with. And it's kind of a thing that's been talked about in Christian circles, because there's such a problem with singleness in the church, that on the holidays, people should, you know, look out for their single friends, you know, Talk to them, invite them over, let them make sure that they have somebody to have the holidays with because the holidays are really difficult for single people considering that- I remember those days. Yeah, Yeah. everybody has somebody to be with, has a loved one to spend the holidays with except for single people. And it's a painful time to not have a significant other.
1: Yeah, and it's, I think we can get into, like, like you know, I've been married for, gosh, okay, I'm blanking now on that. Uh, <laughs> I've, been, I've been married almost nine years, and, it, you know, I, so I haven't had to spend Thanksgiving alone in about ten years. Um, but even then, like, I probably assume, oh, people are like me. They're just going to go to their family's house, their parents' house, without thinking of the fact that, no, a lot of times single people end up in the areas they're in because of college or because of jobs, and they might not have family there. And it's, you know, it's very likely they're spending Thanksgiving on their own. Um, and I, I do think the church, I remember being very frustrated as a single person that church seemed to be a very hard place when it should be the least hard place. Yeah. Um, and I, I think, you know, again, this movie shows, how someone can kind of get so wrapped up in their own life and their own idea of how life works that they don't see the hurt that's right in front of them. And I like that there's not a confrontation where Neil suddenly learns, you know, with a shock that, oh, Dell's all alone. He's learned enough about how to think about another person, how to read another person, that he puts together something's wrong. I need to seek him out because I know he's hurting. Yeah. And it, 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 like it, it took me a few views to see that that's the journey he's on. But like he he's the one who has learned enough to look at another person and say, I know you're in need. Let me help you. Yeah. And I think we often wait for the need. We wait for our single friend to say, I have nowhere to go on Thanksgiving or I'm so lonely. Instead of being proactive and saying, Hey, we have an extra seat. Come stay with us. What mm-hmm. are you doing on Christmas Eve? Come worship with us. Come, you know, open gifts with us.
0: Yeah. Um, and for those not watching, uh, Steve Martin realizes that actually uh, Dell, you know, who, you know, has been talking about how much he loves his wife this whole time. His wife actually passed away a while ago. And so he has nobody to spend Thanksgiving with. And he's just been talking about mm-hmm. his wife as if she's been alive because he can't bring yeah. himself to, this happy-go-lucky guy can't bring himself to admit that he's all alone. And that's probably why he's so talkative. He so wants to make friends with so many people because he has nobody special in his life.
1: Mm-hmm. And the one thing Dell can't do, he's so open with people, so pushing himself on people. He can't ask for help. Like you see that in the scene where he's trapped in the car and it's funny, but you see, he wasn't going to tell anyone his wife was dead. He's, he's not even planning to stay for Thanksgiving dinner. He's like, I'll just stay for a few minutes, but it's kind of Neil saying, no, you're going to come home with me. You're going to have Thanksgiving dinner with us. You're not going to be alone. And I like that. He's the one taking the initiative in that. Um, it does, from a film critic standpoint, it always kind of bothers me that the movie ends with uh, Neil getting home and this extended scene of them home and him seeing his wife, when I think the movie's final shot should have just been Neil and Dell walking down the street together. Like, I feel like the last shot of the movie should have been the two of them. And instead, it's a weird little freeze frame on John Candy that we'll get. Yeah. Um, and also... I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just taking for granted um, how, how it felt in the eighties to not be able to call someone right away. <laughs> but his wife is so like, like afraid that he was eaten by wolves or something. She is like t- just distraught, uh, which I just thought was funny. It's like, he's been gone for three days and he's checked in.
0: <laughs> um,
1: I, I just, I just think that's funny. Um,
0: yeah. Um, yeah, the the whole idea, this whole being alone on uh, on the holidays, I realized what kind of town I lived in when I I know I live in L.A. I live in Hollywood, and I know that people come from all over the country to this place to make it. But I didn't. I made that realization several years ago, when being Hispanic, we celebrate Christmas on Christmas Eve, and so Christmas Day is more of a relaxed day, and so. One day I was pretty bored. So I decided I'll just go to Hollywood and I'll go, you know, just hang out. I'll see if a bar is open. I'll go have a few drinks with some people. And Hollywood was empty. This packed, this, this town that is filled with bumper to bumper traffic, the sidewalks are packed with people was completely empty because that's when everyone goes home for Christmas everyone from that who lives in LA is from somewhere else because they came here to discover their dreams. And so they all went home. The thing of it is, is that many people can't afford to go home. So a lot of people who are just newly arrived, who are baristas, who write close captioning, you know, words for, you know, the close captioning for movies or TV shows, they, they can't afford to go home or their family can't afford to send them home to buy them a ticket home. So they have to stay. And so in that sadness, they go out and they try to hit up a bar and the few bars that are open, they all go there and it creates this amazingly happy family atmosphere for all of these people who have the same story, who are experiencing the same thing and have the same dream When they get here, a town where people normally don't talk to one another, they're bonding together in these beautiful moments in this bar where even the bartenders are part of this group of people that have someone to spend the holidays with, other people that have no one else. And it's such this amazing time in Hollywood to experience the holidays a town that goes completely empty except for these people who are left behind and you know it just gives christmas this whole new kind of uh it 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 opened me up to this whole new group of people that i didn't that i always knew were there but didn't realize this part of it
1: that's fascinating because yeah in the suburbs because I live, you know, I, I live about 30 miles outside Detroit in the suburbs, and you don't, you don't realize all the time how alone people are, because in the suburbs, it's a lot of families going to houses. And so, you know, you drive down the streets outside our house, and you have houses lined with cars. And you don't think about the fact that there are college kids, you know, 20 miles away who couldn't get home, and they're sitting in their dorm, or that guy you know at church who – you know, you've been trying to hook him up with your friend because he's he's single and lonely, and he's probably having Christmas by himself. But you didn't really think of it. Um, that that's really a good point because I think you know, and it's a I think a key theme in this movie. We can really get wrapped up in ourselves and our perspective of life that we don't stop to think about the person right in front of us, and they're not always going to tell us that need, and we have to be able to learn. To let down our guard a lot and see, see that need and address it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it's good, good thoughts.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, that's the end of the movie. Any other thoughts that you wanted to add to this? Because again, this comedy, I... this goofy slapstick comedy, where that actually has a lot of heart and a lot to say about loneliness and family and growing together with strangers. It's.
1: Yeah, I, I don't have any more to say, um, except that, I, I mean, this is going to sound probably a little saccharine and stuff, but it's a movie, you know, it's a Thanksgiving movie. It's a movie I'm thankful for. Yeah, um, I, I think there are movies that can take big dramatic swings to try and say, hey, care about other people, be a good person and you can feel the medicine being crammed down your throat. <laughs> I think the movies that are able to say the most about humanity and our responsibility towards each other and becoming a better person are often comedies um, because they're able to, you know, they make you laugh and when you laugh, your guard is down and then they can kind of sneak that growth in there. Um, This is a movie that's a lot like Groundhog Day to me in that I grew up watching it thinking it was a funny movie, movie I really liked with a good lead performance as I've gotten older and I've rewatched the movie repeatedly, I've just seen how uh, how it's just a good movie. It's it's a movie that is a good because it's about something positive, something we need in this world. So, yeah, I'm very thankful for it. Um, I am also just seeing that there's a post credit scene that I have never seen.
0: <laughs> You've never seen this?
1: I have never seen this post credit scene. <laughs>
0: Well, uh, uh, happy Thanksgiving then.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and he has his little Thanksgiving dinner. That's pretty great. (laughs) I did not know that exists. That's fantastic.
0: All right, well, yeah. (laughs) Happy to experience that with you there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, wow, that was a little Thanksgiving gift.
0: All right. Well, thank you for joining us. This is great. Happy Thanksgiving.
1: Thanks. Happy Thanksgiving to you, and uh, happy holiday season, and yeah, yeah, enjoy it. Enjoy the season. Thank you for having me on, because it gave me an excuse to watch this movie again, and I <laughs> do love to watch this movie. Yeah.
0: Alright, so everyone out there, thank you guys for joining us. Happy Thanksgiving for you guys. Hope you have a great holiday season, and until next time, uh, we'll see you at the balcony, or at the movies. I, I don't know how to end these. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> You've been listening to The Commentarians Podcast, a Raven Creek Social Club production. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review on iTunes. If you'd like to support our show, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Commentarians. Thank you for listening, and until next time, remember, movies are a reflection of our lives and of other people's lives, and we get to experience them together. Come back to the movies with us. We love sharing them with you.